0: Now we're trying to build a sport that can support multiple people's lives. The top 40 athletes should all make a living at this. CrossFit is the hardest sport to train for, I think personally. And so now we're talking about you need to get the order of the top 40 correct. Because every one of those drops in position leads to a huge pay drop. And so now it matters exact. And you should get to fight. If you're in 20th place, but you might get 18th, you should be allowed to fight for that Every single event as opposed to getting cut.
1: Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tau, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today I'm talking to CrossFitter, Accountant, and Statistician Tyler Watkins. Tyler is on a mission to use statistics to make the sport of fitness more fair. How do we do that? Which events should we wait and how? And how do you really compare the fittest on earth against each other, especially from one season or event to the next? Tyler and I nerd out on fitness stats, but I promise this podcast is relevant to any fan of strength training. How do you measure human performance? That's what Tyler's really trying to get at the heart of. I hope you enjoy today's episode. And make sure to leave a rating and review in your app of choice. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. Who are you? Because I think it's a really important question before we get into the really interesting stuff about what you do with data analytics in strength sports. So give us give us the Tyler Watkins rundown. So I'm an accountant
0: by day, longtime CrossFitter, been doing CrossFit almost ten years now.
1: That's that that's an eternity in CrossFit years. That's like a hundred years. I'm not one of the
0: OOGs, but I'm I'm close. <laughs>
1: Okay, so CrossFit for 10 years. You, how did you discover it? What was your What's your superhero origin story? If you're an accountant by day and you do wear glasses, I see right now. So it means you're a superhero by night. What's your origin story here?
0: So I played football in high school and then I got recruited to play. Um, we're both Kentucky boys, by the way. So I got to throw that out there. Um, Shout played, out
1: to the Bluegrass, the Commonwealth.
0: Um, I got reputed, recruited to play at uh, University of Cumberland's played for a year there. And then I was like, yeah, I'm too short and too slow for this silver. And then I got, I got up to about 200 pounds on a five, eight frame. That was not solid muscle. And then my coach came to me and said, Hey, you want to do this stuff? like the Navy SEALs use it to get fit. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm getting fat. So I need to do something. We started doing CrossFit. And I remember Fran was my first workout and uh, it took me like 21 minutes. I had to do each pull up strict and with a lot of break between and now now I'm competing in quarterfinals. So it's it's been a good road for me.
1: Your work capacity has increased a little bit across broad time and modal domains. Let's put it, it that has. way. It has. <laughs> I, I love that because I talk to CrossFitters at all levels, but even at the elite level, a lot of them are former collegiate athletes. And they say, well, I was too short and too slow for this. And they always put those two together because yep. – A lot of the top male CrossFitters, it's like the ideal body type. It's like 185, 5'8, or 5'9, is really what you see.
0: Yep, that's exactly what I am.
1: This is like a marketing slogan. CrossFit should use this. Are you too slow? Are you average? Are you average? Are you average? Are Are you an average person who will never get paid millions of dollars to carry a football? Well, We might have the answer for you. We have an option. You know what? We should, we should, I'm gonna I'm gonna call up CrossFit after this. I'm friendly with some folks there. I know you are too. We'll 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 make it happen. Okay. So CrossFit 2012. Back then it was a lot different. It was still a lot more grass grassroots. I think that explaining exactly how CrossFit has changed over the past 10 years like is beyond the scope of this specific podcast episode. We need a whole series, like an ESPN 30 for 30 sort of thing. Yeah, we'll do that. You, you, are, you are very heavily involved in analyzing CrossFit from a competitive perspective, especially. Talk a little bit about how you started kind of melding your your passion for, for data and analytics with your passion
0: for fitness. My dad's an engineer. I, I guess he just brought me up to think about reverse engineering things. And so I, when I finally started treating CrossFit serious, I was going to CrossFit Maximus at, in Lexington at the time. And we had a team. And they were very good and I wanted desperately always to be on that team and so I wanted to basically reverse engineer what are the what are the metrics that I need to be hitting to be on this team and then you start looking into well who's on teams what are their average cleans how do they each on average perform can you have weaknesses can you not have weaknesses and the rabbit hole goes really deep really fast and that's where it started for me is I just wanted to use it to compete and actually you know, that's something that I'm not doing now, which is giving back to people who want to compete. I love doing this and I love just analyzing the sport, but I want to be, I want to use it mostly as a tool to help people compete better.
1: So that first kind of set and and what, what year was this when you first started looking at this from an analytical perspective? 2014, probably. And what were some of the numbers that sprung to mind? Like if you had to kind of create the combine for, for CrossFit athletes at like that team regional and team games level, what were some of the numbers back then? And then I want to compare that to what some of those numbers might be today, eight years later on.
0: I remember, I remember looking at a sheet that a guy named Chris Walker, he was the lead, he was the captain on Maximus. He had a sheet of metrics that you needed to hit. And I remember like cycling, touch and go power cleans at 205 for a set of 10, you needed to do unbroken. And, you know, now that's like 225 for probably a set of 15, you know, unbroken muscle-ups for probably a set of 15 plus that you had to do. What's the 150 wall balls is Karen. Karen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had to do it unbroken under, you know, some time and, and, or yeah, if you didn't do it unbroken, you had to do it in some amount of time. So those were like the things that they looked for, you know, now it's all about speed and consistency because you can tap in and out some other athlete can come in type of stuff. But yeah, those are a few of the metrics that I remember.
1: I just want to point out Karen, 150 wall balls for time. If you've never done CrossFit before, even if your legs are strong, that seems really innocuous. You're like, it's basically 150 squats for time, right? Right, but it isn't. It is not. I have ne- the most sore I've ever been in my life is the 2 days after like an all out attempt at Karen. It's been years since I've done this. But like giving it your all, I, the, the two days after that, the sorest I've ever been, I actually, I, I believe I called into work one day cause I was just not convinced I could like, I lived in a fourth floor walk up at the time. I like, wasn't convinced I could make it all the way down.
0: Right. So yeah, it is deceivingly, it, it, it hurts deceivingly bad afterwards. And I've still never done it unbroken. There, there are so many metrics. I have that sheet somewhere. I need to find it uh, and just see where I am. You know,
1: nowadays. The consistency has come a long way. And you know, I remember back then you have a lot of games athletes who did have weaknesses. They might not be super strong. They might not be good swimmers. They might be slow on the runs. And they kind of knew that going in. These days, you can have absolutely no absolutely no weaknesses in order to make it to the next round of of competition beyond beyond the open. What are, you know, if there's anything that you can have even a tiny weakness in these days and still make it to the level you're at like a quarterfinal athlete or semifinal athlete. What might that be?
0: Well, this actually gets, I, I was having a conversation with a few other statisticians today, CrossFit statisticians. We were talking about, you know, what are the weaknesses in in the stats that I've created so far? And this gets to the point of your question, which is there are no endurance events that have been tested. So you can actually, at this point, get into semifinals probably Mm. and not have tested a really enduring engine and and that's basically where i've made my money competitively i haven't made any money competitively (laughs) but i basically don't i'm not terrible at anything i have all the skills my motor is not great and so if there's one thing like i tell people all the time you really need to work on your motor because it's the thing that gets you to the next level but the thing that keeps you in the game is having all the skills so just get all the skills and then work on your motor.
1: Yeah, because in the open, they're not gonna go ask you to do a 10 mile run or a trail right. run or something like that. Right. So you need to be able to do those bread and butter, those couplets, those triplets, those chippers, and be able to do all the movements in big enough chunks. Right. That makes sense. I'm still never gonna be able to do that. So that's, that's good to know. <laughs> that, that's great to know, Tyler. Let's talk about some of, of what you work on today when it comes to stats. Obviously you wanna use these ultimately as a tool to help people improve and improve their fitness. Totally, totally, get that what are like take us through the process of how you identify what you want to study and then how you collect the data to study it, how you crunch the numbers, so to speak. I'm not as smart as you, so talk to me like uh, you can talk down a little bit that might actually be useful so that we can all kind of understand it a little bit better
0: i I won't talk down, I'll just talk straight across uh, <laughs> let's see, so I mean, I'm always trying to answer questions and and some of the things like. Brian Friend is the guy who's got me a lot of my start. You all were good enough to give me, like, I think, a, a big writing start to get some, some notoriety in the sport. But, but Brian Friend's really been sort of a mentor of mine in the analytics space, the questions that go after, the things that people want to know. But he is really good at just data recall. He knows in his head who did what, when they did it. And I am not good at that. When something enters my brain, it leaves almost immediately because I don't have any use for it anymore. I can't get, I don't have enough, I don't have enough memory on board. So I got to wipe it out.
1: That just means you're efficient like any good crossfitter. Right,
0: right, right. So what I wanted to do was I'm not, I'm not good at that. Like Brian is. So I had to create my own way of being able to look at a pool of athletes and be like, who's good. Well, the easiest way to do that is numerically and having some standard. I, I tried to answer the question that everybody's been trying to answer. How do you look at a field and say, who's the best? with some sort of number. And so I did that based on performance, you know, relative to performance to the current season. Right now we're getting into data that's maybe three years old. I think I'm going to stay in that range. But but basically, I just look at their finishes, the types of events they competed in, who was there. You know, that was the paper that we just came out with was the relative performance and uh, a relative strength index. How strong was the field that they competed in? All these things are things that matter. And I want to put numbers to them so people... Can, people love numbers and they love just looking at a number. And it's like, oh, it's one out of 10 or one to 10 ratio. What, what number is it? Oh, well, it's a seven. Oh, seven's pretty good. It's close to 10. You know, I wanted to give those numbers to people. So it'd be like, okay, this person's pretty safe to bet on or just to, just to think about. So, yeah.
1: In in your analysis are some years at the CrossFit Games? Let's talk about the games. Let's talk about, you know, that's when folks are, that's when it's a spectator sport right like people do watch final semifinals they keep track of the open but the games is is the big spectacle are there some years that stick out to you in your opinion in the last call it three or four years where the test of fitness ultimately was not necessarily the most fair or i guess you could say the fullest compared to other years
0: 2020 was a, a weird year that we probably need to throw out, um, and and most of the guys in the analytics space do, just because it's in, entirely possible impossible to quantify with everything else. Um, but 2019 was was pretty bad. Why was that? Because I talk about this all the time. Cuts are bad when you need to test yourself against the say you're doing a one rep max deadlift, right? And in the CrossFit space, the the guy that holds that trophy is Sam Dancer, right? Well, if Sam Dancer isn't in the one rep max deadlift test, are you really testing yourself against the fittest in that event? And so if you cut away, you know, half the field here, half the field there, eventually some of your guys who are just freaks at one thing aren't going to be there. And so you won't get your exposure to that data. And even though they might not be in the top of the field, they still have an effect on what the
1: scores are right because the score in one event you're relative it's relative to all the other competitors in that right. event it's not like the seating is redone every single event or, right. or weighted it, you know it's weighted relatively evenly between or among the events just for context because some of our listeners are not hardcore crossfit statisticians explain sure. a little bit about how the cuts worked in 2019 and why that was a little bit of a weird year it's something we covered on and it's something i remember quite well but you know for those who, who don't know exactly what you mean about that why were the cuts so what was different about
0: that year basically that was the nightmare year um we took <laughs> a lot of it was it was good in an idea but it didn't it just didn't pan out in, in in real life um we took the top person from every country that had an affiliate uh, and so right there already you have somebody in zimbabwe or something that's not very good at crossfit that made it because they were the only person in zimbabwe that competed And so you had a large field. I think it was like either 125 up to 150, maybe. And they cut it down to, they did two events and they cut it down to 75 immediately. And then the next event, they cut it down, I think, to top 40 again. And then after a few events, events after that, I think they cut it to 20. And then eventually at the end, they cut it to 10. And it was like, I think the cut from 40 to 20, there were so many good guys. We just got caught up on something. They screwed up on one thing or another that really should have been in the top ten or, or top twenty that weren't there just by fluke reasons, and it really screwed up the tests. So,
1: I've yeah. heard the I've heard a, a counter argument to that, which I'd love for you to uh, to address. And I'm not necessarily taking sides here. I'm just I get to play devil's advocate a little bit because because sure. I get to interview on the podcast. A counter argument I've heard is that in that year, ultimately, the winner on the men's side in the for individuals with Matt Fraser. The winner on the women's side. Tia to me, no surprise there. Those two athletes also did extraordinarily well on the first two events at, right. right before that big cut where they cut like half the field on the women's and men's sides respectively, right? They each finished like first in both events or first and second between, they were like within the top three people in both of those events. So your fittest people are still winning or performing in those events. And then they still win overall after 12 more, you know, on the weekend. So address that from a statistician's
0: perspective, if you don't mind. So you, you're taking the Dave Castro stance.
1: All I, we did, I, I'm not
0: taking any personal
1: stance. I'm just right, right. Repeating, I'm well, repeating
0: a counter-argument I've heard. I've, um, I, I, I've labeled that argument, which is the Dave <laughs> Castro argument. And, and it's a fair argument. And his argument is, well, the fittest still won the games. And that is totally true. I'm not arguing that case. I try to solve multiple problems at once. And, and that argument is outdated. That's a 2008 games argument the 2009 CrossFit Games argument. Yes, you paid the, the, the fittest person, but now we're trying to build a sport that can support multiple people's lives. You know, top forty, The top 40 athletes should all make a living at this. See, CrossFit is the hardest sport to train for, I think personally. I mean, it's definitely up there top 10 in the world to train for. You can't, you can't argue that. And so now we're talking about you need to get the order of the top 40 correct. Because every one of those drops in perform, or drops in position leads to a huge pay drop. And so now it matters exactly. And you should get to fight. If you're in 20th place, but you might get 18th, you should be allowed to fight for that every single event as opposed to getting cut.
1: What do you think would make now look Dave Castro is no longer working for, for CrossFit? We don't and we don't want to get into the politics of that right. on nope. this nope. on the on this uh this episode. That's something we've covered on Barbend. Like dig into that if you'd like. But he's no longer involved with the CrossFit games. In your opinion, and this is just your personal opinion, this is not as a representative of anyone, but Tyler Watkins. What could the CrossFit games do to make it a fairer test of fitness and a more consistent test of fitness?
0: The first thing is is get rid of cuts. I I think just across the board they they use the excuse. Well, the days start to drag on, and and it's really hard to to run that many events with that many people. Yeah, but you're also claiming you're fit. You're you're um you're crowning the, the fittest on earth. That's not an easy thing to claim. So you have to hold the weight. Sorry. The second part is, and this is something I'm working on in my off in my off time <laughs> between work and writing other articles. Is we have to be able to quantifiably. Uh, break down what the sport is testing. You know, I think Dave Castro did a really good job. I think he, he, he programmed pretty evenly, but I, it's, I'm going to name drop a little bit. I had a two-hour conversation with Brent Fakowski about this. He said that some, you know, some years he would, he would get done with the games. And he's like, I was really sore in my legs. Or, you know, some years I would get done with the games I was really sore in my upper body. He was like, but if you're doing a flat test of fitness that tests everything, you shouldn't be sore in any one particular place more than the other. You should hurt all over. And so there is bias, there are biases in the programming. And I think programming is the number one problem we have to solve right now. I don't want it to be dogmatic that we do the same things all the time, but there should be some deep, deep thought into exactly what we're programming and why we're programming.
1: What are some other areas, and, and thank you, by the way, I know that's not necessarily an easy subject to talk about. I know it's something you're passionate about, and I know it's a tough egg to crack, right? It's a it lot is. of, it's, it's a very difficult thing to solve because CrossFit still, it's in its infancy. As far as a sport compared to every other sport that we hold near and dear, at least in, in this country that we might watch and follow. So, even compared to the other strength sports, it's still super, super young. And those sports have had decades, in some cases, a 100 more, 100 years or more to kind of get things figured out. And they're still getting it figured out. Rules are still changing. Federations are still clashing. Uh, what are some other spe- specific areas of interest that kind of have your attention or have had your attention when it comes to CrossFit analytics?
0: That another paper I wrote. It was the first paper or article rather that I wrote. You can was call the, the papers. Z- your yeah,
1: your articles, your articles are well supported enough to be called papers. I give you that permission, especially when they're <laughs> Appreciate on barbed. Especially when they're on right, That's what right, I'll say. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: the the first article I wrote was about Z score, which is a better way to score. Um, and what Z score did was was basically take into account how much you beat the next person. Okay. And, and, and so it scaled the points a little bit better. Now that caused a whole uproar and all that stuff. But what it did was it made um, people really accountable for programming and logistics of a competition. Teams are a very hard thing. I, I had a conversation with a guy the other day. Everyone's, you know, I've had a few, I've opened a, a doorway for statisticians now. And they, they're, they're trying to reach out and they want to know where to look. And we is, were talking it, is, it, about,
1: is it a doorway or is it a Pandora's box? You can be it's honest. a box.
0: It's a Pandora's box. Um, I went from getting zero messages a day on Instagram to getting a lot from a lot of nerds, fellow nerds, but nerds nonetheless. Uh, But they—they teams is a big interest, and we want to break down teams. And right now, there's just no way to break down teams. Who's the best team? Why are they the best team? You can't quantifiably do it. It's so much so that I've just not even tried anymore. I used to try, and I can't do it anymore. Well, I thought the best team
1: was just whoever had Rich Froning on the team. That's the yeah,
0: that's the exact right answer. They always they always
1: seem to win. Well, no, I I want to dive into this more because if it's difficult to quantify the best team, then why does Rich Froning's team seem to win almost every year? I believe they've won the CrossFit Games all but one year he's competed on team. He gets the best people, but it's
0: not easy, and, and they are the best people. We know that. But it's not easy to from a from a baseball statistics or statistician point of view to to say why put a number on why they're the best. Um, and I think that really takes away from the sport. We can't speculate on this. This team might have a chance. We don't have any data we can really go to to say anybody's in the ballpark. I mean, the big talk right now is Annie's team in uh, in Iceland. Yeah, I think they could have a chance, but but I don't have any numbers to support that. Um, I don't have any data. That It's hard. Every team loses a person, gains a person every year. Teams are totally dissolved and formed into other teams. I think the team side of the sport actually needs, it's the one I'm most passionate about, but it's the one that needs the most work.
1: I think Rich might have like the secret recipe locked away in a vault down in Cookville or
0: something like this. No oh, guaranteed. They just need to give that, that guy the keys. If this is his last year, they just need to give him the keys to the teams because he'll know exactly what to do.
1: <laughs> it's I, yeah. I don't know if he's working off a hunt or If he's got his own army of statisticians, he's paying to keep quiet that we don't even well, know
0: about. <laughs> I know a few of those guys. If you guys need a statistician, please reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> you you said
1: you said you already get too many uh, Instagram messages. Your DMs are just going to be blowing up after right. this. Well,
0: uh, I'll see. I'll see Rich's DM. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> just do me
1: a favor. Leave him on red for like a day oh yeah. yeah yeah i mean obviously you gotta just like take him down a peg no i'm kidding rich is great <laughs> he's a friend he's been on the podcast he's fantastic yeah. and actually this is good practice because i'm actually recording a podcast episode with con porter who's on annie's Iceland, quote-unquote icelandic super team tomorrow so this is giving me good good stuff to like poke the beast a little bit and feed him oh, I mean, he's so friendly i don't
0: know if i'm capable of getting him riled up that's the problem I think he's he's too cool. I think any time you try to rile him up, he's just going to be cool the whole time.
1: How, how yeah, how do I how do I like how do I goad a a cool Australian who like surfs and has long hair and is like super fit? Like how do I how am I supposed to do that? What am I what am I working with here? Like absolutely nothing. I'm just a big nerd too. Like come right. on. Right.
0: He's tough. He's a tough. He's a he's a nerd too. He's a nerd in his own way. So Australian
1: Australian nerds are a whole different breed. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure that out. You mentioned Brent Fakowski, who's like a self, he's a self-identifying nerd and mm-hmm. was also professionally an accountant. So I can see how you two would really jive, just a bunch of yeah. cross-fitting accountants just going back and forth.
0: Yeah, him and, I, him and I have some really good conversations. And we don't, we actually um, diverge on our opinions quite often, but we're able to support them and, and, and come away being like, oh, I don't agree with you, but I see why you're saying what you're saying. It's actually really fun. Anytime I'm 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 battling something in my head, I'll contact and be like, what do you think about this? And he's like, I disagree, but
1: a Canadian accountant and a Kentucky an account, and a Kentuckian accountant arguing, that's gotta be the politest conversation anyone's ever heard.
0: <laughs> you and I have two different opinions of Kentucky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you you still you still live there i don't so you're seeing a little bit more day to day it's been a while oh, i was yeah. born and raised but i but i left tyler, are you in nashville i in i'm in Bro- i'm in brooklyn oh i thought you were in
0: nashville now. i was I'm in sorry. nashville
1: i was in nashville a few weeks ago we, we, have, okay, gotcha. we have barbin has some team members down in nashville so I'm, I'm there occasionally and i went to high school in chattanooga this is too much information this podcast is not about yeah me. they're gonna
0: people are gonna find you now
1: but if, pe- <laughs> if people want to learn more about you tyler where are some really good places to do that on social media outlets you write for Barbend and otherwise all that good stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, it's easiest to find me on Instagram at Texas. That's T E X S X X E S S. Wait, wait, barb- spell, 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 spell that again. Spell that again. Sorry. Wait, T E X X E S S. Got it. Okay. Texas. And then of course on barbend, I'll have a few articles coming out here within the short, um, short future about, uh, semifinals breaking down. Let's see my power rankings, uh, teams to look for. And then, you know, occasionally I pair up with Brian friend on morning chalk up and we do an occasional article. And so you look at, look for me there.
1: Fantastic. Tyler, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for diving deep. This 30 minutes went by blazing fast. And so we'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks so much. We should. Thank you, David.